This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do. Make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com. Hello, my little pear tartlets. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, we have time for a few words, including I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. By the way, when I say I think we have time, I know we have time. I'm just being coy. Go ahead, Gary. All right, this week's iTunes comment of the week comes from uh, Soul Mama, spelled like the city, and it is titled Relief from the Drudgery of Parenting a Toddler. Wait, did I just make myself sound miserable? I'm not, I swear. Being a parent is the most wonderful gift in the whole wide world. Blah, blah, blah. Insert other nice things I'm supposed to say about the magic of children here. Fact is, it can be tedious, exhausting, gut-wrenching, and overwhelming which is why I so look forward to my little A-R-I-Y-N-B-F vacations, which provide some much-needed laughter, nonsense, and insight. Allison, Gary, Chris, and Matt are so funny and open and sincere, and I love listening in on their conversations about things both important and trivial. Let's face it, mostly trivial. On the days when Allison interviews a guest, I'm always delighted and entertained. Thanks, guys, for giving me a little slice of home while living so far away. You guys are the best. Now, I take offense, personally... Uh, at her me- saying that we're trivial? Yeah. Well, okay, for the for the listener... But thank you for the very nice Yes, comment. thank you, Soul Mama. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you're in Seoul. That's where you are. That's why you're far from home. If you're in some other place, then you have a weird screen name. Um, I uh, completely... Okay, for the listener who's wondering what's going on, I'm a little bit sick right now, and the phlegm in my brain and, and face and all that is uh, standing in the way of the thought that I almost grasped. You know, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was about if you don't know what's going on. Uh, for listeners who perhaps, if this is their first time listening, welcome. Um, on Mondays, we release an episode where I interview one guest, such as the one you're about to hear with, the wonderful LeVar Burton. And then on Thursdays, we release an episode with me, Gary, Matt, Chris, and usually Jenna. And that one uh, is, I suppose we talk about tr- trivial things on that one. Do you think, Gary? Well, I mean, we do. We've been talking about Easy. ranking Skittles. Oh. <laughs> I, I take issue with that being trivial. And a lot, okay, and a, and a lot of stuff that happens in the bathroom. That's definitely where, not trivial. Where could things be more important? Yeah, yeah. But thank you for the compliment, nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Please nice revise comment. it. Remove any references to us being trivial. And resubmit under your husband's account. <laughs> yeah. And rate five stars again. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. What else do I need to tell you guys? Well, I want to tell you guys about our very good friends at GoToMeeting. I love GoToMeeting. It's summertime. It is hot. You don't want to have to haul your buns into the office to actually sit face-to-face with your coworkers to get stuff done. However, it's pretty hard these days to do business without meeting with people and collaborating with them. That is why you need GoToMeeting because you can meet effectively and efficiently with your computer or with your tablet, with your iPhone, um, and you can get everything that you would be able to get done in an actual face-to-face meeting without having to leave the comfort of your cabana, your jacuzzi, your lanai, your living room, your family room, your hot tub, your limbo contest, your amusement park, your island. I mean, maybe you're not on an island. Me, I'd probably just be on my couch. 
What I'm saying is I don't want to have to get off of it. I want to be able to meet from there. And you can with GoToMeeting, and you can see each other in crystal clear quality, HD. You can hear each other uh, really well, just the same as if you're sitting in the same room. And you can uh, collaborate on documents. You can share each other's screen. It's really pretty amazing. Gary and I use it frequently, and we're always uh, we're always amazed with how well it works and how much it is just like actually being in the same room. Yeah, it's it's built for business, and it's really hardcore. The back end always seems to work, and uh, I really like the sharing of you know not only your screen but your mouse and your tools. So if somebody's working on an image for you or something, you can physically make the tweak on, on your own remotely so that they see what you're talking about as opposed to a whole runaround because I don't like talking to people. Same. <laughs> and I'm assuming you guys are the same. Try go to meeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code Allison. That is GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button and use the promo code Allison. Um, oh, and what I meant to say before, going back real fast, if you would like your comment to be iTunes Comment of the Week, just <coughs> excuse me, leave us a comment on iTunes, click five stars, that's our favorite, and perhaps we'll read it. Uh, and if you would like to contact us, you can email us at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F at adamcarolla.com. Also, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, why not click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, um, but it does help out the show. Okay, here it comes, the episode you've been waiting for with LeVar Burton. I Well, Gary's a huge, huge fan, like almost like um, like schoolgirl crush, I'd say. Yeah, we've had a good run of uh, of guests lately that I'm huge fan. Yeah, of. which is not to say that I'm not a huge fan because I am a huge fan. But but you, I'm, I'm you getting, were almost like a little bit nervous. Would you say? I was I was very excited. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Nervous might. Yeah, but that goes I mean, too it far. Was, it was a, nervous. Was nervous is a bit much. But I was very. I was starstruck. For yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, and I. It was just he was great. And uh, when you listen, which is going to happen momentarily, as soon as I shut up, uh, you'll see what I mean. So here's the episode. I love you guys. Here we go. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm here with LeVar Burton. You know him from Reading Rainbow, and now the Reading Rainbow app, and Roots, and Star Trek, and all sorts of stuff. Iconic. Hello. Allison. Hello. My new best friend. That's right. You know, when I spell your name in my head, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've been capitalizing the V. Ooh. I'm sorry. That's all right. And I also didn't know until just very recently, you're LeVardis. I am, yeah. Does anyone actually use the whole LeVardis? Some people do. Some people who, who know me really well. Okay. Yeah. Some people call me Lovardis. But you think, what do you think of yourself as? Um, Kunta. <laughs> <laughs> how many times a day do you get, well, how many times a day do you get recognized? You, it must happen all the time, it, right? It, it's a pretty, it's a matter of course thing in my life, yeah. And what do people usually recognize you from? Boy, you'd have to follow me around for a day because it really does depend on, you know, the age and the frame of reference of the person in question. Because there's definitely the Roots audience, right? Um, There's definitely the Star Trek audience. Um, And then there's the Reading Rainbow audience. And, and, And 
Um, and so it could be a very young person. It could be a very uh, a much older person. Mm-hmm. Um, could be a crazy person. It could be a sane person. I, 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 <laughs> the I, crazy I, people. What do they do? Well, the crazy. The crazy. The crazy people. The the, the crazy people. Uh, oddly enough, are not the Star Trek fans. Hang on one second. Sorry. Can you position that so it's kind of you're talking right into the red light when you're looking at Allison? Perfect. Okay. There we go. They are microphone Nazis around here. What red light? The one if that's like if you cross your eye. This is this is going to be riveting for the listener. Oh, cross oh, your oh, eyes. Oh, oh, See that thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I know. Actually, never, I've never noticed that never either. Never noticed that before. This is very, this is, uh, this is a new thing for you me. You know what, Gary? Pass this along to your engineering buddies. When chastising people for not speaking correctly in the microphone, from now on, it should be just talking to the red light. Talking to the red light. That's, that's what I always use. Oh, but it's not you. It's, I didn't get read the right act by you. Wow. Gary, you've changed my life here. A couple of professionals like you and me, and look how we're being treated. Well. It's BS. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> totally okay. You just wanted to sound the best for them. Yeah. He's so, producing his ass off. That's right. In the booth. I know. He looks so calm, but he's not. He's a nervous wreck. I know. Yeah. So the crazy people, that's what was Well, happening. the crazy people are not the Star Trek people. Right. You know? Um... Uh, the crazy, the crazy. <laughs> you know, the, the, but I do, I do have a fan base that is pretty broad mm-hmm. and in, and, and includes a wide variety of people. And I, I love that about, about my fans. Mm-hmm. I, I actually do. I honestly do. Um, you are someone that people talk to a lot, especially of late when talking about race relations. Mm. How much do you think that has to, like how much. How much did being in Roots shape your life? Wow. I was 19 when I did Roots. And so um, Roots, the miniseries, and the aftermath of the miniseries has shaped my life tremendously. Um, as to why I'm being asked to weigh in on, on race relations, I think that is a function of having um, been around for a while, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Roots connection. Um, but I like to think that over the last, uh, what, 36 years of my career, I have managed to at, at least project um, that I am a sane and reasonable man and, uh, and, am, and am interested in changing the world mm-hmm. for the better. And so that when conversations like that, that come up that are sometimes difficult, it's, it's good to have somebody who's reasonable, I think, in those conversations. And, and sometimes uh, I get that call. Mm-hmm. You were just on CNN special, The N Word, mm-hmm. which I uh, I didn't have a chance to see, but I was listening to it because mm-hmm. you can stream it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you think it went? Well, it, it was weird because there were eight people on the panel, and I was in a room, a small studio by myself in in West Los Angeles, and and the camera was off, so I could not see anybody oh. else either. Um, so that was a little, felt, I felt disconnected from the conversation. It was list, trying to listen intently to, to, to what the other people were saying. Um, but I mean, it, it was a, ultimately a positive experience because it was a, a positive conversation. I think that it was an enlightening conversation for a lot of people, for, for, for black people as well as for white people. And any time that there's an opportunity to have a conversation like that, that is a positive one and one that can actually move the culture forward. I'm... I'm I'm there. I'm down. It mm-hmm. just makes sense to me. I was 
really surprised. So after the whole Paula Deen thing, um, mm-hmm. I was encountering this reaction from people, which is like, what's the big deal? Everyone uses that word. And I really was just – I found that shocking and I also found myself thinking, like, is this true? Am I naive about what the world is really like? And then if you look at Twitter or if I look at Twitter, I'm like, OK, the world is much worse than I thought it was. <laughs> I've, been, I've been living in some kind of small bubble. And then also I feel like there's this perception that I'm trying to be holier than thou when I say I don't use that word. And it's like, no, that's – I mean that's, that's outside of it. But look, go ahead. As, as, as we are new BFFs, yes. um, let me share this with you. Please. OK. Um, I believe that we are all in our own bubbles, right? And that, you know, a lot of the conversation that we're having at the Paula Deen thing, you know, obviously Paula Deen was walking around in a bubble. Yeah. Right? Um, the the, the Reese bubble. Well, <laughs> there, she, was, she, was, she was certainly, she was certainly, she had created within her business a culture where that was okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's just not okay. Um, and I know, and I, and, and I, I can't throw stones. I know I'm in my own bubble too. I, I, and, and I'm, I, at least I hope I'm the sort of man who can recognize when I come up against my own bubble, right? Your own bubble being prejudices? Prejudices or, 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 um, pr- uh, the, the nature to prejudge someone based on an absence of empirical fact or right. evidence, just on assumption based on really shallow markers of influence, mm-hmm. right? We, we all do it. We all do it. And, and I think that the, the thing that gives me the most hope is that at least we're willing to go where it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And as long as we're, we continue to be willing to go where it's uncomfortable, and as long as we are continue to, willing to, to be willing to sit in the room with one another. There's a chance we can work this shit out. <laughs> Do you feel like things are getting better or worse or the same over, you know, all the years that, that you've been walking this earth? Boy. I, because I wanted to think that things were getting better. And I certainly wanted to think that things were better than, I don't know, 40 years ago. But all of a sudden to realize that 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 maybe I have been in this little bubble makes me like, I I'm kind of going through something where I'm questioning everything right sure. now. Sure. Sure. You, 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 boy. The, I like to think that we are moving forward. I, I think that, t- that change happens when, while we're not noticing it and change. And you know, look, progress is often two steps forward and then a step back, maybe a step sideways. Right. And then another step forward. And then a diagonal step. You know, it's not, it's really, it's, it's, it's like not a, a straight line. Yeah. It's not a straight line. You do dance your way through history. And, and so sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. When I look back on over the course of my life, right, when I look at, you know, I was born in 1957. So I look at having grown up in the 60s and, um, and, and the Cold War and the nuclear threat and the assassination of, of, of the Kennedy brothers and Martin Luther King, a man landing on the moon. Um, the advancement of, of technology and telecommunications. I mean, I've really, um, I've been alive for a minute. Um, and the social change 
as well, the 60s, the civil rights movement, right? I, <clears throat> I'm a witness to all of that and, in fact, have, have played a small part in it in terms of, of, of my role in Roots and, mm-hmm. and, and the miniseries Roots being an important part of America's own reckoning with this part of our common past, our common history. So um, when I look backwards, I, from where I stand, I see, yes, there has been progress. Sometimes when I'm standing where I'm standing, it doesn't feel so much like progress. But that's the nature of progress. You, you can't always see the forest for the trees. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm making this mistake of looking at Twitter and thinking that this is an accurate cross-section or reflection of what everyone thinks. And I don't think that that hmm. is fair. I just know that I said I, – I made a very inoffensive joke essentially about the Paula Dean thing hmm. and also – and all sorts of anti-Semitic stuff started flying mm, at me, and I was really? like, I, "Yeah, right." And then I just had yeah. this had this feeling of, "Oh my God, if I if the world is really what it's what it is on the Twitter feed, mm-hmm. if I were black or Mexican or like, I would never stop being angry at the way I'm treated." <laughs> and again, I realize, like, I, I feel like. I feel like it's ignorant for me to open my mouth on this topic, but I am anyway. That's not something to be proud of. Well, I, you don't say, seem ignorant to me. Thank at, you. At all. You, you seem like a passionate, reasonable human being. Thank you. Um, do we live in a perfect world? No. Um, am I bidding on the human beings? Yeah, I am. Ultimately, I believe that we will get our shit together, um, given um, given enough incentive to change. And that's really what it boils down to, you know. Is there enough incentive for us to change? Mm. I hope so. I hope there is. All right. One more question on this topic, and then we can move on to other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a, a clip that has been passed around a lot mm-hmm. uh, that, you, that you shared on the CNN special mm. was what you do when you get pulled over by a cop. My ritual for, for when I'm stopped by law enforcement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, can you tell, tell us what that is and then it's, what made you realize that you need to do that? Well, this was uh, – um, po- you know, part of my indoctrination as a young man by my mom. Um, it's something that I've taught my son, who is now 33. Um, it's just a, it's just something that you know. It's something that you learn. It's a part of what you learn growing up black in America. Um, if you're male, that it's dangerous out there for you. And, and you must act accordingly. Uh, your life may well depend on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it will every time, but you don't want... Look, I... <laughs> I've, I moved to Los Angeles, California in 1974 when Ed Davis was still the chief of police here. And I was the first person of color to live on 28th Street, Fraternity Row. I lived at the, at the Sammy House, the corner of 28th Street, 801 West 28th Street, the Sigma Alpha Mu Fraternity House. And I would finish my studying about 11 o'clock and walk to the Vagabond Motor Hotel and Coffee Shop down on Figaro and get something to eat. And that first mm, two, three months, that first quarter or so, I was stopped repeatedly by LAPD. And every time I was stopped, I answered the description of someone who was stealing car stereos in the area. And, you know, Fraternity Row over there at USC, there's a lot of, you know, well-heeled kids, right? right? And, and, um, and so finally one night... I, re- I, I, I was, you know, on my nightly rounds. I'd finished studying. I was hungry. I was on my way to get something to eat. 
Car flew in front of me, cut me off. Door flies open. I've got a shotgun pointed point blank range at my chest. And I recognized the cop. He'd stopped me earlier in the week. And he knew where my, what my address was. He knew yeah. I lived on the street. But it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, and, and so it's about survival. And I, you know, if you don't know, they say you better ask somebody. Because, like I said, we're all living in our own little bubbles, and there are lots of realities of which we are ignorant about one another's lives. What do you mean? If you don't know, you better ask somebody. Well, if you if if it's if it's something that seems really strange and out of out of place to you, then verify it. You don't have to take my word for it. Is what I'm saying. Oh, that. that if you know, if if this if this sounds unreasonable to you, ask ask a young black man. Okay. <laughs> right. If you don't know, you better ask somebody because this is real. Y'all, this is life. And my celebrity doesn't make me immune from being a black man in America. So for anyone who, who doesn't know, what you said is that when you get pulled over, ah, yes. you take off your hat and right. sunglasses. I do. I take off my hat and my sunglasses, and I, take my, my, and I roll down the windows, and I put my hands on the driver's side door in an attempt to show the officer that he has nothing to fear from me, that, that I am holding no weapons. He's, my hands are in full view. And I do that so that that he he knows that in approaching me he has he's like on stand down mm-hmm. he's not on high alert right right the last thing I want is a man with a gun approaching me at defcon six <laughs> yeah too often that situation has gone wrong and not in the favor of the person of color right that's just the truth i got into a um, conversation recently with my fiance about about whether racism is thinking that one race is better than another, thinking that you might be better than someone, and if it's not, okay, that or whether it's what I contend, which is no, it is looking at someone and jumping to a bunch of conclusions about who they are. Hmm. Hmm. It's not it's not necessarily the value. It's not like even let's say you don't think you're better than anyone. But if you still look at someone and I, I mean, I have my own axe to grind about this because hmm. all the time people tell me what I'm supposed to be like based hmm. on my last name. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. if you think that, you know, a bunch of things about someone based on a few criteria without knowing them mm-hmm. and you put them in a box. Mm-hmm. To me, that is. And if it's not racism, then there's it's prejudice or like the, it, it is. A, it's, it, it, to it, me, it, that is what it is. Well, you know, <laughs> Tony Robbins is a great example. Um, language is very imprecise, you know, and, and, and that's why it's so, <laughs> it's so easy to misunderstand one another. He talks about the picnic, and, you know, to me a picnic may be, you know, sunshine and flowers and, you know, and we're going to have a great time, and to you it's rain and ants, and, you know, you've got to cook and do the dishes. And so we have a completely different frame of reference on, on, on a single word, right? picnic. And when you say picnic and I say picnic, we may not be meaning the same thing at all. And yet there's so much emotion charged behind these ideas, these concepts. The P word. Wow. Right. They're all of the words. The P word, the B word, the N word, the C word. My God. I meant picnic. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. But see, see, <laughs> see the emotion. Right. You see. Yeah. You see. You see. So language is really charged because there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion behind it because there's a lot of association right. behind it. You know. Right. Are you a Tony Robbins fan? Um, yeah, I have to say I am. Yeah, 
I've known Tony for a long time and, and, and took some of the very first seminars he ever gave mm-hmm. and uh, have enjoyed my relationship with him over the years. Yeah, he's, he's a powerful dude. He's, he's a get-it-done kind of guy. <laughs> and, you know, I love that about Tony. Uh-huh. He, gets, he gets shit done. Are you a get-it-done person? I like to think so. What, what are you, what, where are your challenges? What stops you from getting something done? Oh, well, these past, you know, um, these past couple of years, um, it, it's really been about um, working within the confines of the resources in the building of this company and the building of this brand. Um, now, is that Burton Wolf or is that? Are our kids. Okay. Are our kids, which is the, the, the parent company that, that has relaunched Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been working with, with, with you know, with the meager resources that, that we were able to raise in, in, uh, in a seed round. Um, my own um, ways of tripping myself up are impatience. <laughs> I can be pretty impatient. Um, uh, my mother used to say about me that I always had too many irons in the fire. I've known all of my life what that meant, and I think that part of my challenge as an adult has been to narrow my focus, to only give my energy to that which really has... Uh, is worthy of all of my energy and attention. And in many respects, I've, I've stopped spending energy in places that don't feed me. Mm-hmm. Like what, what has that meant letting go of? Oh, oh my God. Um, in some cases, things that I thought I really loved, you know, like uh, cigar smoking, you know. I used to really love cigar smoking, but it doesn't really feed me in the way that, that it did at a time. And mm-hmm. so I gave up cigar smoking and I gave up my membership to the Grand Havana Club, a place that I really, really loved, you know, going to and, and, and hanging out in. Um, was that hard it, to it, quit? It, 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 well, yeah, it was. You know, yeah, it was. Sure. Yeah. So you were, is it true that you were thinking of being a priest? Mm-hmm. What happened? <laughs> um... Uh, the reality of um, of what it was like for men who had made that decision came crashing home. <laughs> at what age? I was, uh, well, I, you have to consider I entered the Catholic Seminary at 13. I was six, 16 and a half, almost 17. Yeah. yeah. That would, I would imagine that would be an age where the rubber really hits the road. It really pretty much did. And then the whole, you know... No sex with women thing. That was that was actually that ended up being the real deal breaker. That was like nah, I'm, nah, not nah. not for you. Nah, not for me. Yeah, no, not for me. I like I like girls way too much. Hmm. So. Um, but now you were born in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long did you live there? Uh, for a little bit over a year, uh, the first time, and then we went again when I was in the third and the fourth grade. And where where were you raised here? Sacramento. Okay. Northern California. So Germany, Sacramento, Germany. Back to Northern California? Uh, born in Germany, yep, Sacramento, Germany, back to Sacramento, right. And then you went to college down so- here. Southern California, down here. yeah. And how did you oh, – so you, now your second year in is when you auditioned for Roots, mm-hmm. is that right? As a sophomore, yeah, at USC. Uh, what what made you decide to audition? Like had you started leaning in the direction of theater no, at no, all? No, or? no, I was strictly theater. Um, not thinking about television or movies at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, they came to the drama school. It was, I mean, they literally, you know, um, in one of one of the classes, uh, came in and made an announcement. You know, there are these people who are on a nationwide casting search. 
<laughs> and uh, there were there were three of us in the department. They were looking for young black men, um, and there were three of us in the department. And uh, we went and we went on that that tradition, that time honored tradition of the go see. Uh-huh. You go to this address and you see the people there. And the people there, in this case, happened to be the legendary Lynn Stonemaster and his casting associates. And it was it turned out to be you know something that. Not only changed my life, but it, it really did have a significant impact on on the life of of this this country that I love very dearly. At what point did you realize the significance of it? <sighs> Socially, or um, hmm, or historically? Well, both. Because I mean, I imagine like there's there's a zillion miniseries, and while they're cool, yeah. they're not going to be roots, right? When did you realize it was roots? Um, well, it was clear right away that it was special, and it was clear right away that it it had everybody's attention. Um, I think that the the conversations that it sparked about race in America and about slavery and about slavery's attendant legacy, um, which is racism, um, they they were conversations that hadn't been had in a long time, um, and so in many respects it was kind of like peeling the scab off of a wound. Um, but necessary, you know. You, sometimes you got to peel that scab off and, and expose that wound to the light of day, so it really gets a good, a good layer of new skin on it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what roots roots really was. And it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for Black America and White America both to really acknowledge a very painful part of our, our common past. And um, and it was an opportunity to 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 move on, um, to acknowledge that, and to resolve to not go there again that you know that's the lesson of all history isn't it that which we do not learn we are condemned to repeat time and time and time again so i guess that's my fear then with people who feel like oh we've solved those problems let it scab and scar over that's in the past yeah. it's like it's no not no, really i don't think until un, un, until there i think there are, are a, a couple of Social projects that are linked together. Um, one of them is economy. We have to figure out a way to share wealth and prosperity better on this planet. We have to find a way to compete less and cooperate more um, on a local level, on a state level, on uh, on a countrywide level, and on an international level. We need to compete less and cooperate more. Um, we really need to be serious about being good stewards of this magnificent planet we've been gifted with. And we really need to look down the line at, at what kind of world we're leaving to our children several generations from where we stand. And unless those are at the top of our agenda, then we're really just screwing around. I feel like that's not even on my to-do list. Really? It's just so sobering. Well, you know, we, we live in a world where we, we are so distracted by all of the the details necessary just in order to get to the end of the day, right? Yes. Um, I think at some point we need to recognize that all of these conveniences are to give us the time and the space and the grace in our lives to contemplate why we're really freaking here. You're so right. All these things that are distracting are really supposed to make things more convenient and efficient. But to instead, give us like- more time for... To, you know, for the really important stuff. Yeah. Right? But instead, they instead, just become... it's become yet another distraction. 
You're so wise. No, I'm just, I just, I'm noticing. <laughs> no, you're wise. How'd you get to be so wise? What's your wise secret? Is it Tony <clears throat> Robbins? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have. I don't have wise or magical powers. Um, or maybe I do. I don't know. I don't know. It's all the books I've read. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. How did you get involved with reading Rainbow? How did that all my start? Mother, my mother was an English teacher. Um, so I, I grew up in a house where reading was mandatory. And the, the Roots experience, you know, Roots was my first job. Um, and so it really, it, it, it blew me out of the water. And it really showed me just how powerful the medium can be when used appropriately. Mm-hmm. So when the idea came along to do a television show in the summer that, that steered children back in the direction of, of literature, I thought, yeah. I'm in. I love that idea. That makes sense. And um, there you have it. I don't know if you can say, but do you have a favorite children's book? I have a couple. Yeah, I can say. Okay. I, I think. I can say. I feel like you should be able to say. I, I can. I mean, I, there are many children's books that I love and, and the wealth of children's literature that I've been exposed to over the last uh, 30 years um, with the show has been amazing. A couple stand out, though. One is um, Mary Hoffman's Amazing Grace. I just I love that book about a young girl who wants to be Peter Pan in her school play, and she gets a lot of pushback because she's a girl and she's black. Um, the other is a wonderful book called Enemy Pie that has a surprise ending, which I just I really love. What's it about? Uh, it's about a kid who's got a problem, who's he's got an enemy, and his father says, I, "I can help you with that. We'll make Enemy Pie," and so they do. I don't. I haven't read either of these. Yeah. I'm going to have to read them. Yeah, and I can read them on the app. Um, those aren't books. Those are uh, those aren't books that are on our app. Um, oh, I can recommend many, many books on our app. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I like most about the app for, is we're a mobile library for families. Um, we've got over 300 books and 75, 85 videos now, and we're adding a new video and two new books every week. You know, mm-hmm. we're a subscription model, so we have to continually refresh content and. And, and continue to upgrade the, the experience and, and, and the service for new users as, as well as our, our you know, original customers alike. Mm-hmm. And what are the videos like? Well, um, 90% of them are newly produced videos. We are about to release our first like serious reading rainbow process piece. Like remember the, 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 um, the episode where we went to the crayon factory. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gary's nodding <laughs> so fast that right? <clears throat> the heat is being generated. <laughs> so we went, we, we went, uh, last summer to the Bureau of engraving and printing where they actually make our nation's money. And so we are about to release on the app a video process piece of how money Gets me. <laughs> Carrie looks like a child. He's a, <laughs> Carrie's a big fan, by the way. That's cool. Yeah. So, so, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more of the same. It's, you know, it's, it's LeVar on the video field trip giving you a backstage access to some activity or some place. You know, we've been to the National Archives. We've been to, um, uh, wow, we've been to so many. We've been to the White House twice. Um, we've been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. We are continuing to capture new content in a way and bring it to our audience in, in a way that really nobody else can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so what's your – in terms of, of making videos and doing things for the app, mm-hmm. what's your schedule like? Are you – like is it a weekly thing? 
daily, monthly? Um, ooh, I'd have to say we, we're on a schedule of shooting video about every two to three months. It all depends. I mean, last year I did a lot of traveling as it was the first year that the app was in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So I was everywhere. I was all, whenever anybody offered me an opportunity to talk about the app, children's education, digital, you know, media, I I was there. So I did a lot of traveling last year. And still we managed to get, you know, quite a bit of of, of filming in. Um, This year um, we are already planning uh, some wonderful segments that I'm I'm really excited about and and being the host of Reading Rainbow for me continues to be the best job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what I don't know we'll find out if you have an opinion on this. Here's my question. Mm. What do you think is the right age for kids to learn to read? Because I remember when I was entering kindergarten Around that time, there was like some experimentation with you know teaching kids to read at three or at four. And now I think that the school I went to, kids are required to read before they get there. I learned in kindergarten. Mm. Uh, you know, there are I'm, there are child experts that I'm sure will have um, their opinions from their particular point of view. I, I believe that every child learns differently. Um, it's never too early to expose your child to reading. Um, I think it's just as important for parents to read in front of their children as to read to them. That's a really important lesson that I think a lot of us forget to remember. We're, we're either signaling or not that reading is important in our lives. If your child sees you reading, then then they will value and they will treasure. Reading. Even the romance novels, my mom it doesn't was matter. Reading. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It means that you know it's it's part of it's part of the human experience. Yeah, is what I'm getting at, right? So um, yeah. There you have it. No, no magic powers. Just, just pick up a book. Take a look. It's right. in a book. And you have two children. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. they're adults now. My you daughter just turned children. nineteen yesterday. Yeah. How did you meet your wife? Uh, we met on a movie. We met uh, on a uh, a Christmas movie called Roots: The Gift. So it was a movie that uh, TV movie that Lou Gossett and I did, uh, where we reprised the roles of Kunta and Fiddler. And um, I met my wife on that project. She's a makeup artist, mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Goddess. <laughs> how did you know that she was the one? I didn't right away. I was clueless. Um, I think guys generally are. Um, I wasn't looking, um, um, but but she kept asking me, like, so what's your ideal this? What's what? What do you think about that? Um, and uh, pretty soon she invited me to dinner and. Um, and I kissed her, and then we've pretty much been together ever since. So she asked you out. Yeah, she uh, she she did actually. She said uh, she'd like to to make uh, dinner for me. She'd like to make swordfish and watch the Laker game. I thought, wow, this is great. This is gonna be you know, I have a lot of women who are friends. So I thought, ah, this is you know, a great chick friend is loves that, basketball. Did you realize that she had inter- she was interested in I you? I was still clueless. Then. Uh-huh. I was still clueless. I was clueless <laughs> until we got to the beach. When I kissed her, then I realized that whoa, whoa. Whoa. Wow. Oh, my. My God. All right. All right. So then I had to reframe mm-hmm. everything. But, I, you know, I, you know, I did pretty quickly. And um, it's all good. What was your relationship history like before that? <laughs> I never had a relationship that's lasted, that it lasted longer than a year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I had a terrible track record. Why do you think that it was? Or what, uh, like, what, what was the pattern? I became famous in 19. So there was such a selection? There's just a lot of um, activity. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) 
<coughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think. Yeah. That, no, really. It makes sense. Yeah. I think Adam's story is yeah. that uh, he and his wife split before they were married. They were dating and they split because he wanted a chance to see what it's like to be out there while right. famous. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I got that early on. Right. I got that early on. Yeah. It was all, you know, it was, it was great. Was the, it was the the 80s. It was fun. Sounds like shoulder pads and moose. Yeah, but it was fun. Right. Yeah. Because that's what people were into at the time. Yeah. Well, not everybody was into moose. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then it sounds like you were enjoying not having a relationship longer than a year. Yeah, but you know what? I always longed, you know? I did. I, 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 I there's, yeah. And I, I, wanted that for myself in this life. I did. And I still do. Did you always know that you wanted to have kids? No. Mm -mm. No. Um, But I'm not but and. I'm glad I do. I really am. They've they've been amazing uh, teachers for me and have really brought a lot of meaning and value to my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In what way have they been amazing teachers? Oh, immeasurable, immeasurable ways. Um, uh, my son teaches me the value of steadfastness every day. Um, my daughter teaches me the value of joy, just being in joy, I-N-J-O-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's good to, good to have teachers like that. That's, that has come up a few times on this show because I've been um, – <clears throat> I tend to ask people about about. I don't have any kids, mm. but I, I hope to mm-hmm. uh, one day. You will. And uh, I have a puppy. Nice. <laughs> Not actually the same. No, I know. Yeah. Work harder, right? Yeah. Oh, I have to. I have to hear that raising a puppy is more difficult, or else I'll never have kids. Um, <sighs> but what I've been thinking about lately, that people have been talking about, is just that. I think having kids teaches you to be in the moment and to just appreciate and the, what you're talking about, about joy. Yeah. And it, it, it teaches you that, you know what, you, you are not the center of the universe. It, more than anything else, it teaches you to get over yourself. I'm not ready to hear that. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, here, here's a newsflash for you. Your puppy thinks that he's the center I of the know. universe. I know. Well, he is, though. That's the uh, problem. The yeah. center of our universe. Yeah. Um, yeah I... Uh, I've been trying to figure that out because I think that most kids have a very – they have an unbridled phase. Hmm. And then at some point, and I don't know why, hmm. you start minimizing your reactions and you reel it in and you become self-conscious mm-hmm, and you stop mm-hmm. feeling you know, exuberant and mm-hmm, exhilarated mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of that. The world starts to beat you down. Why does – why though? It's Why the nature of the to, world. Yeah. It's the nature of the world. There is, it, 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 it's part of it's part of the, um, you know the the cycle. You have to grow up, and part of being mature is that disillusionment of youth, right? You have to surrender that disillusionment in order to step into the wisdom of your age. And unfortunately, there's always going to be a little pain that goes along with that process. That's the you know, <clears throat> it's the seasoning, yeah, the pain, but it's, it's, you know, it's a part of life and we move past it. That's what we do. We move beyond, we move beyond. Are you a happy person? I like to think so. Yeah. I love my life. That's for sure. I really, I do love my life. 
I'm enormously grateful for the life that I get to live. Um, I wake up every day and I, I, I get excited about what it is I get to do um, with myself. And um, I, I love what I'm doing. I love the people that I'm doing it with. I'm working harder than I've ever worked. I'm having more fun than I've ever had. Um, and I'm working for myself. And, and I'm trying to build something that I intend to leave behind. And that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to the uh, the shift from the potentially the priesthood to mm-hmm. theater, uh, had you always been interested in performing? Sure, even as uh, even when I was contemplating the priesthood, I mean, the liturgy of the Catholic Mass is a play. It absolutely is. It's got costumes. There's lighting. There's you know props. It's it's theater, and I think part of the theatrical nature of the liturgy of Catholicism was. What attracted me? Um, I was in that environment mostly because of the educational value. My mother wasn't a Catholic, mm-hmm. but she was a teacher, and she knew that the best education available was parochial. So I was just um, incubated in that system and um, and did certainly grow, grew up in a, uh, in a family for whom service is a a value that we all embrace, you know, after being a teacher for many years, my mother was a social worker and, um, she finished her career, um, working for the Sacramento County department of social welfare. So, uh, I, I kind of, I grew up in a culture where in education and service were what one's life was about. Mm-hmm. And so the priesthood kind of thing kind of, you know, it appealed to me The on my father's side of the family, all of the men are either soldiers or ministers. So, it's not like it came out of the blue. I mean, it's kind of in my genetics there somewhere. Right. right. And most of the women on my mother's side of the family are social workers and teachers. My mother had a career as both. So uh, I feel like I come by what I do fairly honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your dad was in the Army? Mm-hmm. And he was a photographer mm-hmm. for the Army? Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever consider going into the armed forces? Not really. Mm-mm. He sounds like a cruddy life to me as well you know that there was a there was a part of it when i was a young kid it was it, it looked exciting you know um i considered the military academies for a hot minute but I'm, I'm glad that i found another way to express myself and another way to socialize myself outside of um the military environment the military culture mm-hmm. yeah. um do you well what's your relationship to catholicism now uh it's uh, it it's it has a f- I have a special place in my heart for Catholicism. It is the faith in which I grew up. Um, it is the parent against which I railed in order to find myself. And um, ultimately, I guess Catholicism is, has to be big enough to be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke with them earlier. And they, what did they say? They said that it was rough going during your rebellious yeah. phase. They're still pissed. He never writes. <laughs> but they're happy you're doing well. Yay. Well, that's 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 good. I, you know, we, <laughs> we all we, we we all like to know that we we'd be welcome back if we ever chose to come home. Yeah. Um for me though, I I I I understand why I was there and I'm enormously grateful for the you know from what i got from it um and it really did help shape my worldview and and you know everybody needs something to grow beyond Mm -hmm. um do because you are associated with reading rainbow Mm -hmm. which is obviously a you know educational and for kids Mm -hmm. 
How much do you think about the fact that you um, not have to project a certain image, but just need to be sort of kid-friendly all the time? Um, well, I feel like I have, I, have, I have a desire to be as authentic as I can be. And, and I also believe in very firmly in the idea of discernment and, and appropriateness. So, you know, there are, you know, there are times when I'm in a rowdy, bawdy mood um, and, and I find an appropriate way to, you know, to get those yah-yahs out. Strip um, clubs. <laughs> or, or bowling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I really do like to think that I'm always me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked long and hard in my life to be okay with who I am. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not inclined to give it up so easily <laughs> for anybody else. Uh, how did you, how did you do work to be okay with who oh you my are? God. I've, I've, you know, I've experimented with so many things. That's how I encountered Tony Robbins, fire walking. I mean, I was always trying to challenge myself. Jumping out of airplanes, firewalking, you know, the whole idea of, the, of human potential and, and, and the power that we have locked within, right? All of that stuff is interesting and exciting to me. I'm an energy junkie. I love, uh, I love energy. I love the, the juice of life, right? Are you, are, you, are you into extreme sports? No. I just like to feel that I'm alive, mm-hmm. right? All right. So, yeah. what it, so you've walked on fire. Sure. How was it? Great. Do you feel anything on your feet? No, not really. No. Is it exhilarating? Very much so. Is it scary? Yeah. Until you do it. And Did you then, do it with Tony Robbins? Yeah. All right. So you've walked on fire. You've yeah. jumped out of an airplane. Yeah. Was that Tony Robbins no. endorsed? No, no, that was no. Well, I get, no, it was inspired. It was like, so, okay, so what else am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. Right. What else am I afraid of? Let me push the limits. Let me push the limits. What else? What else did you do? Oh, I don't know. Um, drove race cars for a minute um, just to see if I could. Um, been whitewater rafting. I don't know. I just, I like life. Mm-hmm. I like life. Is that kind of how you are when it comes to things that you're afraid of, though, that you stare down the barrel? Because I, like, something that scares me, I'm like, okay, well, then I'll just avoid that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, if something keeps, I'm, I I like to think that I'm the sort of guy. If I'm getting the message repeatedly, right? If I'm getting signals from my universe that this is something that you really need to look at, I like to think that I have the maturity now and the ability to turn around and say, okay, all right, what is this? Let's take a look at it, rather than keep running and avoiding. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, avoidance is a survival mechanism that I think we've all adapted over time. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way human beings roll. Um, is there anything next on the list of here's something I'm afraid of that I'm going to go do? Hmm. I haven't done Broadway yet. Um, and my roots are genuinely in the theater. Um, so uh, I think the with every passing year, uh, I'm, I, I'm afraid that it, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Um and and that you know so that that get that gets my energy up you know I get plugged in mm-hmm. when I think about that um, something I'm looking at Broadway Broadway any particular show uh, I don't want to limit myself okay don't want to limit myself 
See, I love that, that you don't want to limit yourself. I feel like, tell me if you agree with this. I feel like there's this message that you have to be very, like, you have to know your brand and be very specific. Or because, because my instinct is always to be pretty, I be pretty general because I don't want to limit myself. And then it's like, you sort of just become a, well, I feel like I, it's like you just, people don't know what to do with you if you don't. Be like if if you aren't super specific and like here's exactly I'm a real estate expert mm, mm, and then it's like oh we know how to market that. Mm-hmm, mm. Well, here's what one of the things I've learned in life is that um, li- life is like walking, and walking is a controlled fall. The physiology of walking is that you know you would fall flat on your face if that other leg didn't jet out there at the last minute and stop you. And so I've kind of adopted the idea that if I take the step that's in front of me, the next step will reveal itself. And that's really worked for me throughout the whole of my life. And I learned that it's not always necessary to, ha- to know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Just be ready to engage in the first step, and the next step will it'll come along. All right. Thanks. No wisdom, no magic juice. Just <laughs> take a look. It's in a book. Maybe I have to, I have to write that book. Yeah. I'll write that book. I'll write a book. Who wrote the lyrics to the Reading Rainbow song? Um, Steve Horlick. They're very catchy. They are. And uh, the original was sung by wonderful, wonderful singer Tina Fabrique. Tina Fabrique. I think it might be time to do some Just Me or Everyone. Really? Is this Just Me or Everyone? Really? Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're, right? we're going to figure Something out. All right. I have thought or done is just me. All right. Indigo Brian says, sometimes I forget I'm alone and feel embarrassed for singing along with the theme show of a podcast. Um, I don't actually do that, but I don't think you should feel embarrassed. Do you find yourself singing along to stuff out loud and then feel embarrassed? No, I never feel embarrassed when I when I'm not when I'm in my car. When I'm in my car, I can sing as loud as I want um, because um, it's it's my car. Right. Do you have tinted windows? I do. Yeah. Does, do you think that that helps you to feel like more free? it's yours? Yeah. More free? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we get a lot of just me or everyone. People tweet in a lot of really? different things. Yeah, people, all sorts of different feelings about behavior in cars. In cars? A lot of people, if they're at a stoplight and there's someone looking at them, they won't eat. Ah, yeah. Because you're like, why didn't you bring enough for everybody? That I that, guess. I don't know. Or it's I just mean, rude to eat in front of other people. It's. I don't... They, they, they don't go into why they don't. I think they just suddenly feel self-conscious. But see, these are, but these are old mores yeah. that, that are holdovers from a time that no longer exists, right? Right. When we're, in our, when we're in our little bubble on Ventura Boulevard, <laughs> right, and we've just pulled out of in and out you got to get those fries now. I don't care who's next to me, right? Mm-hmm. Those fries have to be eaten while they're hot, I'm just saying. That's right. Okay. And I just learned – I just we just learned on this podcast – that in and out will ask, are you going to eat in your car? And they, then they give it to you a special way, right? Isn't that right, Gary? Well, yeah, they, you get it in a box versus a bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then we were, maybe you can weigh in on this. We were trying to figure out, well, what would be the grossest food to be eating in your car? I think we decided spaghetti. French onion soup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the most difficult food to eat in your the car. The most difficult food <laughs> to eat might be French onion soup. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anything with a utensil involved. Well, anything. A hot liquid. Yeah. I, I think a hot liquid involving a bowl and a spoon. Right. In, in a moving vehicle. Well, see, because what happened is Chris, who, was, who is, works around here and he was on the podcast, and he'll, he'll eat anything. Uh, he was saying that he would have no problem with soup because you could just drink it. And then I said, yes, but what about French onion soup? Right. Because then you've got like a, a cheese lid, you've which got, is going to. Yeah, yeah. And a whole big bread thing. Yep. Yeah. Logistics. Exactly. Vegas Light says, when I get home from the grocery store, I want to have a sample of almost everything I bought, just me or everyone. Yeah, if it's something new, I, I feel tempted to be like, oh, what is this? I think that's more a function of going to the supermarket when you're high. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Mitch Serp says... <laughs> I lie to some people when I tell them I'll miss them. That's very honest. It, well, it, see, now here's the thing. Is it too honest? Or, I mean, why would you lie to somebody and tell them that you'll miss them? I'm trying I to think how often I actually say I'll miss you versus right? I miss you. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I, I imagine it's a situation where he's saying I'll miss you too. Oh. oh. So the obligatory first shot over the bow already what? came i'll miss you it's only yeah. polite and, and, and it's only polite to say i'll miss you too but that's actually a lie and so he says that 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 does he feel bad about it or is it is it just him or is it everybody i don't think everybody well i don't know i i guess i guess if i felt like i was guilted into saying i'll miss yeah. you yeah yeah i suppose that i think it's just I think you just automatically respond in kind yeah so i think that probably everyone does that now yeah. whether they're lying or not yeah. I don't know. I think it's 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 not even a white lie. Right. It's you just know. being polite. Just being polite. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're leading someone on. Well, now here's the thing. Now, now I've had this conversation with many many of my actor friends. When you go backstage, if you really did not enjoy the play or the performance of your friend, what do you say? That's a that is a good question. What yeah. do you say? Well, I. I I have been back and forth on this. I believe it's always good to find something positive to say. Like, hey, that was short. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to find something positive to say. Um, and, if, and if there are notes that you want to give, you know, take them out to lunch. But don't, yeah. don't do it backstage right. after a performance. After, uh, after you perform in something... Do you feel like you can accurately assess how you did? <sighs> Over time, I think I've developed an ability to separate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I spent a lot of time behind the camera as a director and, you know, you just you get used to separating. Mm -hmm. Right. Thinking from a different part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I used to do um, I still do, but not nearly as much as I used to. I used to do a lot of, of commentary on various shows and mm -hmm. little segments on different news things and whatever. And afterwards, I would sometimes fish. I don't know if I would actively fish or just sort of hope that I would be able to, like, someone would, or what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is they would be like, oh, good job. And mm. I would, and I would. Oh, really? Think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depending on if I felt like I did well or not, I would sure. try to assess based on what they said. Yes. And it's only now that I realize they say good job no matter what. You, you have to be able to read the difference between a genuine one and a not genuine one. Here's, here's, here's where. Uh, where I've gone with that whole thing. It is wonderful to get the corroboration of friends and family members and those who love us. And yes, because they love us, they're always going to say kind things. 
when we can get to that place in our lives where that kind of outside validation isn't necessary, right? That, that would be the goal. That we can yes. take care of ourselves from the inside and say, you know what? I did my best. I'm walking away. And it is what it is. And so then the need for that validation lessens just a little bit. And then we don't, we don't rely upon it so much. The challenge that the taking care of yourself mm-hmm. from the inside, yeah. which I feel like was really kind of the goal of or has been the goal of much of my, my therapy, um, more... Isn't it? I mean, isn't it generally? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Right. I think it is, but I am finding that that... So I, I was single for many years, and now I, I am engaged, and... I can tell. <laughs> Sorry, it's I'm flashing my of, ring at you. Thank you. hell of a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I've been realizing lately, and especially it just popped in my head when you said that, the goal of taking care of yourself from the inside but also being in a relationship yeah, is challenging. Oh boy, is that a dance. It that is. It really is tough. That's really, really difficult. Because it's so easy to think, uh, well, I feel this thing and it has to do with this thing that relates to you. Yeah. And then I step outside and so I should work it out versus this, this is going to have to figure out myself. Mm. I have less clarity on this than I did years ago, I think. And guess what? The the longer you are in that relationship, the less clarity you will have. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, bad news for him. I'm okay with it. I mean, I would like to have more clarity, but I feel like, but it, no, it, like stuff will come up where you know yeah. I will try to talk about something, and then I'll think, am I just laying a bunch of stuff on him that he doesn't need? Hmm. It's is it just me? Hmm. I hey, don't know. Is it just me? Right. Or does this happen to everybody yeah. else? Right? So really, less clarity as it goes. I, you know what I think? The, the, yeah. Because the real truth is, is that the people that you are now are not the people that you're going to be in 30 years. Yeah. And the goal is to be okay with that and to, and to communicate sufficiently so that over the course of the 30 years, you don't end up hating one another. Yes. Right? It, right. I think, right. I, yeah, I think that, so I you, think the challenge is to avoid resentment setting right. in. Right. So if if you are if you are if you are growing into if you are becoming the person that you really are destined to be and they are too, then there's going to be commonality. And so long as you're rooting for each other, it's all good, right? But basically, we're 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 strangers now and we're going to be even more strange, you know, downstream. Yeah. That, and I think that's the real truth of relationships. It's it's really about hanging in there and being okay with all of the ambiguity in between. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is that is that is the challenge that I'm realizing now. And then there's kids. How and, does that mess up? Oh, they up? suck. <laughs> that awful. Terrible proposition. No, but I imagine that. I mean, just Okay. Disclaimer. I realize this sounds ridiculous, but just the the, the changes that having a puppy that yes. you know, we share the responsibility, the yes. changes to the relationship that that has brought has made me realize it's actually good that we're figuring it out now it so is. that this stuff isn't coming up when we have kids. This but is, it's not for the weak. Listen, you have to figure that the child that you have in the next five years will most probably come home and live with you after college. So that you better like that person. That is a reality, it's isn't it? It's pretty much a reality, yeah. So you you really got to, you know, you got to think about it very carefully. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm. Javier Juarez Jr. says, make excuses for why the waiter screwed up my order. 
Mm. Just me or everyone? No, I wouldn't. I don't make excuses for waiters. I, I've been on that side of the table. It's not okay to screw up the order. You don't make an excuse for a waiter. You make him aware of it, and hopefully he fixes it in pronto, and you can you know get on with your meal. Mm-hmm. When did you wait tables? Oh my God! Um, right around the t- uh, after uh, pumping gas and before the Mr. B's formal wear. Mr. B's formal wear. Five zero two five Stockton Boulevard, Sacramento, California. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tell us everything. Tuxedo Rental Center. <laughs> and so what did you do? Weddings and um, proms. And who's Mr. B? Mr. Bernard Baptiste. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a local OG businessman. Yeah. Had did, the... you, did you help fit people for tuxedos? Yes, that was my job. I fit people for tuxedos all day. And then, so you got and on the ground and the like alterations. Oh, ran yeah. the thing up their inseam? Uh, I could pretty much look at a guy and tell what their waist and inseam was. That's fun. Yeah, but if you had to you know, mark a pair of pants for alterations and then do the alterations or mark a sleeve for an alteration on a jacket, do the alteration. With that little piece of soap? That it, or is it chalk? It's chalk. Why did I think it was soap? I don't know. I, I was misinformed. All right. All right. Pumping gas, yeah. waiting tables, Mr. B's. Yeah. Which was the best? Uh, Shanks Arco. Yeah. I loved, What's that? Uh, the, the pumping of the gas. Oh, you liked that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was a summer job. Mm-hmm. Um, it was outside. Um, everybody came to the gas station. So it was like the neighborhood passing right, through. Right, your hangout. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good place to be. Do you like, some people like the smell of gas. I actually like the smell of old gas, the way gas used to smell. Yeah. Yeah, before all the additives and the right this and that and the other. It doesn't da- smell quite the same anymore, Petrol. My dad likes the smell of gas. Mm. I'm wondering if he likes the old gas smell. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't enjoy either of them. I don't know if I've... I feel like I, I feel like I wish I had a scratch and sniff book right now that had the smell of old gas in it. Mm. I feel like, like... I remember I had a Sesame Street scratch and sniff that had, um, it ha- I think, Oscar... Uh, the grouch, there was something related to him that you'd you scratch could... it and it smelled like skunk or it smelled like fish. or wow. It had some gross smells. Mm. It was fun. Mm. Um, all right. Effie Face says, just mirror everyone, when watching true crime shows, I'm relieved to find out I'm not the killer at the end. <laughs> yeah. That's just you. Yeah, I think that's just you. <laughs> Woodloaf says, every time I use an ATM, I think of the bank error in your favor card from Monopoly and hope for an extra 20. That happened to me once. You got an extra 20 out of a no, machine? Oh. No, that didn't happen. But there oh. was an extra 3000 in my account online. For how long? A day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But did you know? And I guess this is good. But you are absolutely not, not allowed to spend that. No. Not at all. No. You can't even say like, oh, I don't know. I just thought it was my money. No. They, they, they catch that fast. They do. And they will hold you liable. Yeah. Yeah. Germer09 says, I write my grocery list in code in case I lose my list. Others won't read tampons. <laughs> they may just see Tams. <laughs> just me or everyone. I'm going to say that's just you. Yeah. yeah. I love that, though. Yeah. Well, he makes it out in code. Right. Clitty <clears throat> uh, Scent says, cringe whenever people make fun of someone for being old. I want to say everyone gets old if they're lucky. Yeah. I just feel shamed by that. Yeah. I'm trying, I don't really I think I often make fun of people for being old, I, yeah. but I don't hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate to 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 bust somebody. I can't think of an. I can't think of when this might happen. Right. But I don't know. But I don't think of it as like a a sacred cow. Yeah. Although I would, I would really question who it is you're hanging out with. Yeah, I would. That's too. so down on old people. That's right. Yeah. Ageist. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Just me or everyone. When someone doesn't respond to a text message in a timely manner, I begin to worry about their well-being. It depends. It depends on who it is. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, sometimes I go there. I have done that thing where I take forever to write back to someone on email, and mm-hmm. then when they don't write back, I'm like, what? What the hell? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Double standard. Exactly. But that's because it's, you know. It's me. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. part of that, don't people understand? Ah, yeah. Well, you, you are fun to hang out with. Then you're fun to hang out with. Yeah. Thank you so much. We should go on being best, best friends. friends. You, want to, you want to take the best friendship outside this room? Maybe, I would like to do that as maybe well. Maybe we should. Maybe we okay. should. Maybe we should. Wonderful. Okay. Well, now, so let's see. Anything else that we need to talk about, bring up, plug, mention? People mm. can follow you on Twitter, they at can. LeVar Burton. At LeVar Burton. You have a lot of followers. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you base any self-worth on that? I would. Mm. <laughs> I try not to. It's good. I, I really do. It's good. And in case you're wondering, people, it's not like he follows a million people. No. I don't. Because you know, some people have yeah. really high follower numbers and yeah. really high following numbers, and then it's inflated. Yeah, no, you're I, the real deal. I, I follow about 500 people. Yeah. Yeah. I think 539. Yeah. You keep it tight. I think I looked at it this morning. I'm not stalking your Twitter feed. It sounds like I am. No, you were doing research. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Responsible journalism. And they they can get the Reading Rainbow app. They can get the Reading Rainbow app on the iOS platform, which means if if you have an iPad or an iPad mini, or if you have a Kindle Fire, you can get the Reading Rainbow app. Um for your kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Or just if you are nostalgic for Reading Rainbow. Yeah. And you know, and want to take a look at some books. That's and, right. And hear the theme song. And we should look out for you on Broadway, perhaps. <sighs> perhaps. Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. <laughs> That's right. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. If you want to email us, it's A-R-I-Y-N-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything – I feel like I buy stuff on Amazon every single day. Um, click through the banner on my website at allisonrosen.com. It does not cost you anything extra, but it helps the show if you want to do that. Don't you? Do that. That's like a desperate plea. I feel like I've come across as desperate. But I love you guys, and if you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Okay. Thank you so much for doing the show. Allison Rosen. Thank you. LeVar Burton. <laughs> Gary Smith. Now you have to say our names. LeVar Burton. Allison Rosen. Good. We've, we, I feel I have closure now. Yeah, All me right. too. I love you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen Show.
This is Corolla Digital.